know this uh, life is challenging, you know, and especially when things happen that you don't understand. It raises a lot of fears, doubts, questions. I mean, there are so many things that are out of control, out of our hands. And I'm just curious, have you ever questioned your faith? I think it's a natural reaction uh, when certain things happen in life, when certain things don't happen. You know, when you find yourself in the dark, when your future is uh, uncertain and you realize, hold on to your seats here, you're not in control. (laughs) I mean, some of you, that's exactly where you are today. So when it feels like all the pain is never going to end, when, when you're brought to your knees by all the things that you don't understand, what do you do? I mean, can you pray part of that song? I'll let the weight of all my fears fall like sand out of my hands and into yours, Lord. It's a question of who you believe is in control. You know, Jeremiah 29 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's difficult, I think, to get your mind around the fact that God's omniscient, that that he's all-knowing, that God knows the future before it even happens. If you truly believe that, if you believe that God has that unlimited knowledge, if you believe that God never is caught off guard in life, If you believe that God has a plan to prosper you and not harm you, if you truly believe that and believe that God will give you hope and a future, it will change the way you pray. And it will change the way you live. Out of my hands and into yours, Lord. It's a new way to live. It's a better way to live. You know, just about every day, I'll be honest with you, I scan the news, I catch the latest headlines, and most of the time, I just shake my head. You know, wars, nuclear threats, famine, disaster, tragedies, human trafficking, drug smuggling, cover-up, scandal. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? And it's difficult to understand at times, and you kind of go, where's God? Sometimes I think that maybe society has gotten what they wanted, and that's a world without God. Can you see God when you don't understand something? You know, can you see God when something in your life doesn't make sense? And today what I want you to realize is that you do not have to understand everything to believe something in your life. There are lots of things that happen 
and I just don't understand it. Some of the things in this life I believe are unexplainable. There are times that I have more questions than answers. You too? Yeah. Well, that's the situation in our story that we're going to look at today. It's found in the Gospel of John. John writes this. He says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who'd been born blind. Now, I have a hard time understanding what being blind is like. The, the closest I got, do you remember the game Marco Polo? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'd have a designated person, uh, you'd blindfold them, or they were supposed to keep their eyes closed. We know how that goes. And, uh, but you're not allowed to peek. You know, and, and so you've got to use all your other senses to kind of navigate things, find, find the people who are playing the game. And that's just a game, though. And I was thinking about, can you imagine the challenges associated with really being blind? Especially if you've been blind since birth. This man, he's been blind since birth. He's never seen a sunset or a sunrise. He's never seen a flower or a tree. He doesn't know what his mom or dad even look like. He's blind. And in that day, it meant no opportunities, no education, no jobs available. And he was forced, I mean, he had to beg to make ends meet. Scripture says, his disciples, talk about Jesus' disciples, asked him, Teacher, whose sin caused him to be born blind? Was it his own or his parents' sin? Now, in that day, in Jesus' day, people believed if you have physical problems, somebody's to blame, somebody's at fault here, you know. They did something to deserve it, you know, or perhaps their parents did something. It was a very common mentality of the day. Now, some still kind of operate that way. You know, you're, you're ill, and so you must have done something wrong. You know, your kid got hooked on drugs, so you must have been a really horrible parent or something. It is a misguided thing. Jesus, in the midst of being asked this, he makes a stunning declaration here. He says, Jesus answered, his blindness has nothing to do with his sins or his parents' sins. He is blind, here we go, so that God's power might be seen at work in him. This guy who's been born blind, he's been begging most of his life. We look at the situation, you know, as we're reading it, we're thinking, well, how tragic is this? It appears like a horrible setback. But in reality, friends, it's going to be a setup to bring glory to God. You know, we see it throughout Scripture. If you spend much time reading the, the great people in Scripture, you've got a, a, in a dream a young man by the name of Joseph. He's told he's going to be a great leader someday. But if you know Joseph's story, his brothers betray him, sell him into slavery, He's convicted of a crime that he didn't commit. He spends years in prison. 
He faces one calamity after another calamity. It didn't make sense. But what appeared to be a setback was actually God setting Joseph up to become second in line, to become a great leader in Egypt. You know, God sent the the prophet Samuel to see a young shepherd boy by the name of David. And he tells David, he says, you're going to be king of Israel someday. And then he sends him back to take care of the sheep. (laughs) See, it, it appears that that's a setback. But the reality is he was being set up so that he could improve his shepherding skills. He'd learn how to use that slingshot of his a little bit better so that he could fight. And not just fight, he could defeat a giant of a man named Goliath. David had a lot of setbacks. In fact, he becomes king. He has huge setbacks in his life. David ends up as an affair with a married woman, gets her pregnant. Then he attempts to cover it up by sending her husband to the front lines, basically had him killed. Shameful setbacks. But God was working in his life, and it set David up to change his heart. It sets David up to become a man after God's own heart. For the rest of his life, he would, it would define and change him. Friends, in our world, we often see things as setups in our life or setbacks in our life. But in God's economy, what appears to be a setback is really a setup in life. We're being set up to be used by God being set up for something greater in life, being set up in order that we could bring glory to God. You know, Paul Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, you know, now we see in the mirror dimly. Suddenly we, we see face to face. You know, I only know in part, but someday I'll know fully. You know, I only know in part, Only God knows fully. You know, Isaiah, he would put it this way. He says, God's ways are higher than our ways. You do not need to understand everything in your life to believe something. You know, when I was in uh, seventh grade, uh, I broke my femur several places. Ended up in a spica cast to my chest. Uh, I missed almost an entire year of school, Uh, had to have a tutor at at home to get me through my classes. I lived on the floor. My mom and dad made a pallet, and so I I was confined to my back. Lots of downtime, all right? My mom and dad decided it would be a good idea to get me an ant farm, something to do. (laughs) I didn't have a cell phone back then. (laughs) I watch those ants all the time. And I realize they're very organized. Uh, They appear to be very smart. I I could tell the difference between some of the ants. I I started uh, treating them like pets, I'll be honest with you. Even named a few of them. And uh, I know some of you are going, okay, Damon, I thought there was something wrong with you, and it has been confirmed today. 
Can you imagine if I had decided I was going to train these ants and teach them? You know, maybe teach them math. Okay, not algebra, not geometry. Just basic math. One plus two equals three. You know, I think I could do it. I I think I could have been a good teacher. All right, students, you got one picnic, and you add two picnics. How many picnics do you have? Three. Friends, no matter how good a teacher I am, the ants are not going to understand, are they? Why? Because they're ants. You know, it doesn't matter how good a teacher I am. It doesn't matter how true math is. The ants will not understand it. And I have done the math on this one. And here's the tough reality for us all. No picnic here. I realized that I am closer to an ant than I am to God. You do not have to understand everything to believe something in your life. You know, this story, uh, it continues, and Jesus does something very unexpected. It says, after he said this, Jesus spat on the ground and made some mud with the spittle. You know, he, he takes, takes this spit and this mud, and he rubs the mud on the man's eyes. I want you to think about this for a minute. I mean, it's kind of gross, honestly. Hey, how many of you have ever had a spit bath? How many of you don't know what I'm talking about? <laughs> all right, all right. So I, I had a lot of spit baths. My grandma, she was notorious. You know, so I'd get something on my face, and the closest cleaning supply... <laughs> Yeah, I know you're going, that is gross, Damon. Uh, I, know, I know it is. Here's the question I have when I was reading the story. How much spit do you need to create mud? <laughs> you know. So th- this guy's blind. He couldn't see Jesus. But I bet he could hear him. What's he doing? Sounds like he's spitting a lot. And then he feels this goo being rubbed on his eyes. Says, go and wash your face in the pool of Siloam. This name means scent. I I imagine this guy's thinking, praise Jesus, you know. I got to go get this off my eyes, you know. So the man went, washed his face, and came back seeing I find it interesting when you, if you read the whole story, the guy doesn't go back and thank Jesus. He heads home. Can you imagine he goes in the house? I'm home. Mom, Dad, you're not going to believe this. I can see. Then, then we find out all the neighbors around town, they're starting to talk. Is that the blind man? He he used to beg on the street. Is that him? It it looks like him. No, it can't be. That guy can see. 
You know, and then they start debating about it. And finally, he, he overhears them. He's like, it's me. Check it out. I can see now. And this guy wants to party because he can see for the first time. But the people, they want an explanation. It's like, how is it that you can see now? He asks him. This can't be real. We don't understand it. How is it possible? And so he tells them everything that had happened. And then the crowd, they get so worked up, they take this guy to the Pharisees. You know why? They want an explanation about this. And this is kind of the point in the story where if it was a movie, you'd start getting the dramatic music behind it. It says, the day that Jesus made the mud and cured him of his blindness was the what? Sabbath. John's going to make a point here. You know, according to the Pharisees, you can't do anything on the Sabbath. You can't work, you can't play. They had all kinds of rules. You couldn't walk X amount of steps on the Sabbath. You couldn't do this and that. Jesus has done something. Now, now the Pharisees, they, they want an explanation about what's happened. It says, verse 15, says the Pharisees then asked the man again how he had received his sight. He told them, he put some mud on my eyes, washed my face, and now I can see. I don't understand it all. I was blind, but now I can see. Pharisees freak out because Jesus has done something that they don't think he should have done, and that is he's healed on the Sabbath. Some of the people are are questioning that now. They're going, well, if it's so wrong, then why was Jesus able to heal him to start with? They don't understand it. They can't explain it. And therefore, they can't really believe it. They're they're missing the point, don't you think? You know, but we do this kind of thing all the time, don't we? We try to confine God, keep God in a nice, neat, manageable, explainable little bitty box. God could do this. Yes, he can. But God could never do that. And so we pray accordingly, don't we? We ask God for the things that are possible in our mind, in our limited understanding. And we stay away from the things that seem impossible. So God's nice and neat and really small. You know, how prideful. I mean, how insulting it must be to God. Just because you don't understand something doesn't mean God's not doing something. 
In fact, oftentimes God is doing the most when you understand the least in life. You know, the, the Pharisee, uh, one of them, he's kind of playing detective. And he decides he's going to iron this stuff out, figure it out. And so he calls for the parents to be brought in. He wants to interrogate the parents first. He says, is this your son, they ask? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he now, now he can see They want an explanation. They want answers. And it's interesting because this mom and dad are very, very careful about what they say. And Scripture says they were careful because they were afraid of the religious leaders. They, They were afraid that they might get thrown out of the synagogue. And so I love their answer because they're very, very careful here. They go, We know he's our son, and we know that he was born blind, but how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we we don't know. Ask him, he's of age, he'll speak for himself. Well, let's see. Yep, yep, that's our son. We recognize him. He he was born blind, and yes, he he can see now for some unexplained reason, but more importantly, he can get a job and move out of our house, hallelujah, you know. (laughs) Says the second time they summoned the man who'd been blind. I find this interesting, the wording. Give glory to God by telling the truth. They said, who knows this? We know this man's a sinner. They're talking about Jesus here, okay? So obviously Jesus can't be from God because he's a sinner in their eyes. He says, he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I I don't know. One thing I know, here we go again. I was blind, but now... I see. I don't know about this Sabbath law stuff. I don't know all the rules. I, I, I don't know if he's from God. There, there's a lot of things I just don't understand. But there's one thing that's undeniable. There's one thing that I absolutely know. An hour ago, I was blind. And now... I can't see. Everybody starts debating. They're arguing. I mean, is this of God? How did this happen? And it gets really ugly. We know that the the Pharisees throw this man out of the synagogue. Can you imagine that? Best day of his life, he gets thrown out of the temple. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Well, who is he, sir? I, tell me so that I might believe in him. Tell me so that I might believe in him. 
It's just Jesus and this guy. This guy who had been blind. Now he can see. You know, Jesus is, is talking to him. Jesus says, you've now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking to you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he what? Worshipped him. I don't understand it all. But Lord, I have seen enough. I believe. I believe. Friends, it is undeniable when God's word is spoken, lives are changed. I mean, it's undeniable that chains are broken in people's lives. Sin gets defeated. You know, it's undeniable that that people with addictions are set free. You know, it's undeniable that self-centered people become other-centered when God begins to work in them. It is undeniable to me that people who have lost hope find hope in Jesus Christ. And you may not understand it, and you may not agree with it, but you've got to acknowledge that God's doing something in the midst. You may not understand. But friends, I would tell you, you do not have to understand everything to believe something. You know, when there's something you don't understand in life, you know, I prayed for this and it didn't happen. You know, I saw this on the news. It makes no sense to me. Where's God in that? You know, you read something in Scripture and you go, I don't get it. You know, I have this theological question and I cannot, you know, resolve it. I can't figure it out. I mean, if God's for me, why is this happening to me? Friends, remember, you do not have to understand everything to believe in something. You do not have to understand everything to believe that God's on the throne and God's in control. You don't have to understand. Everything around you, you don't have to believe. That thing that you struggle with. See, you don't have to understand everything to believe that God loves you. He sent his son to die on the cross for you. You don't have to understand everything to believe that God has a plan for your life. I mean, you don't have to understand everything to believe that God's with you and he's for you and he wants you to live a life that is abundantly more than what you're living Just because you don't understand something, do not let it wreck your faith or wreck your life. You know, some of you, you're spending too much time debating, questioning about stuff you don't understand. You do not have to understand it. I mean, You don't have to understand aerodynamics to know that planes fly, right? Everybody believe a plane flies? All right, how many of you know aerodynamics well? You know, you don't have to understand combustion engines to get in a car and come to church this morning, did you? 
Perhaps, and this is where I'm getting, perhaps you should consider that maybe that thing that you're questioning, that you don't understand, maybe it's happened so that the work of God might be seen through your life. You don't have to understand everything to believe something. Lord, it's, it's enough. I believe. I'm going to lay it all down. I'm going to worship you. See, I don't, I don't know what that thing is for you that you don't understand. And... Please, please know, I, I've always said, ask questions. Ask all the questions you want. In fact, I believe believers were called to, to question. But sometimes, you got to go, okay, I guess I'm not going to understand that. And you may down the road. You, you may not till we get to eternity. I don't know. But at some point, you got to lay it down. And say, Lord, I'm going to worship you anyway. I don't understand everything. But I do believe in you. And I do believe you have a plan and a power. That you can give me the strength to get through whatever it is. I don't understand it, Lord. But I trust you because you're in control. There's lots of things we don't understand. We could probably spend the whole morning just go around. And you go, I don't understand this, don't understand that. But I know who's in control. He's got tomorrow in his hands. I don't know what tomorrow's got. He does. He does. I'd encourage you if you've got something you need prayer for. Maybe maybe today's the day you finally let it let it go and lay it down. And just say Okay, Lord, I'm done wrestling with it. I trust you. I know you're in control. What's the next step? You know, there'll be prayer teams down front to, to pray with you. And uh, I just ask you to remain seated. I'm going to pray, and then uh, the worship team's going to come and share, share in music. Just remain seated. And, you know, if there's something you need to give to God, give it to him today. So, Our holy God, God, we praise you. God, we all have stuff we don't understand. Doesn't make sense. Creates fear in us, makes us anxious, frustrated, angry. But God, give us the strength to lay it at your feet. Give it to you. Because we know, we believe you're in control. We believe you have a plan. We believe that you can get us through. God, help us to believe. God, when we waver, may your Holy Spirit just whisper. Remind us that you're with us, 
that you'll see us through whatever it is we're going through. God, we give these things to you today. We give you the glory, the praise, with all we say, all we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God's people said, let, let this song minister to you.